thanks for tuning in this August. We are doing a best of series. So we are playing some of the favorite episodes because we did these before we were doing video format. You'll note that there is no video to go along with us. You can still listen to it on your favorite video platform. You'll just have a static picture in the background. Enjoy the episodes and God bless. Hey guys, it's Amber, wife, mother, warrior, type A child of God. Here at Little Things, we examine everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Today's episode is called, It Doesn't Matter What They Think. Thanks for joining me. to tell you I am so excited for this episode. I came across some information last night that actually just blew my mind. I had to go and fact check and make sure that this was true because I thought there's just no way. So I went to an article. I'm going to destroy this because it's French. So it's Le Monde Diplomatique from April 2019. All you have to type in is 1983 study by the British Stomach Cancer Group. Okay, and you'll come right to it. And bottom line is this. Researchers told 411 prospective recipients of a new chemotherapy treatment that nausea and hair loss were possible side effects. And then they gave them a placebo drug. Over 30% had hair loss and 56% reported vomiting, and they had all been given a placebo, okay? But that's not all. The power of placebos goes even further. So in 2007, a young man presented to the ER. He had plummeting blood pressure. He was shaking. He was sweating. After an argument with his girlfriend, he took 29 antidepressant pills that he had as part of a clinical trial. They gave him six liters of saline, but his condition only worsened. Finally, they got in touch with the, the test, the trial people, and they discovered that he was given the placebo. So within 15 minutes of finding that out, he was completely well, walked out of the ER. Okay. <laughs> Why did this happen? The article went on, and I'm probably not going to do it justice. I'm just going to tell you two reasons why this happens. Number one is conditioning. Our brains are conditioned to respond. So if we've taken Tylenol in the past and it alleviated our pain, our brain responds the same when given a placebo. The Part of your brain that stimulates the production of endorphins goes, hey, I just took something. I think I'm feeling better. So there's conditioning, but there's also expectation. Uh, a quote from the article says, patients are more suggestible when they are anxious. So they go along with the objective of the treatment and feel at least some of the expected or feared effects. So if they expect it, they pretty much just have that happen, which is 
insane. From now on, I'm going to expect to lose weight. I'm going to expect to have good relationships. And I am going to expect to be quite joyful in my life. There was another quote um, from Ambrose Pare, P-A-R-E, with a accent mark. Um, this quote was from the year 1581. And it said, the world wants to be duped. And doctors are often constrained to order or rather permit patients to use a placebo because they want to. He was saying, you know, look, doctors give people placebos all the time because they want to feel a certain effect. And once you give them the pill, they think that that's what they're going to get no matter what. I don't know what you think about this. I think this is insanity. Um, that we are so easily exploitable. It's just crazy to me that it is so easy to do that. But then I start thinking, you know, doctors aren't the only ones who can speak to the anxious. Satan, too, loves to dupe us. And when we're overwhelmed, when we're scared, when we're nervous, when we're worrying, so often we fall into the placebo effect. We think things like, oh my goodness, I'm just worthless. I'm old. No one needs me. They'd be better off without me. I can't do anything right. I'm so, so tired. I have no control of this. Why aren't my children talking to me? Maybe the worst is going to happen. I mean, you just go down this absolute spiral of thoughts, right? And Satan and his evil army are right there egging it on. Just like, yes, so true. Remember when? Remember when you did that really stupid thing? Do you remember that? Or do you remember that time that you heard that so-and-so's child actually, you know, did break an arm and a, or a leg? Or do you remember when that person, do you remember that news article that said that that person who went and did that activity, they died? So, you know, there's a good chance. Well, it's sort of like, losing the hair and being on the brink of death from taking something that wasn't true. The Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, 13 and following to put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And what is this armor? We aren't talking about something that, you know, we have to get out of our storage room and and put it on so that we can actually get through the night. We're talking about spiritual warfare and about the equipment that God has given us so that we can stand when everything around us is vying for us to fall down. It starts with the belt of truth. It's not something to hold your pants up. The belt of truth, we're told in a December 2019 article from the online forum Connect Us, explains a Roman soldier's belt was made of metal and thick, heavy leather and was the carrying place for his sword. It also had a protective piece that hung down the front. His belt held all the other pieces of his armor to be together. To be fitted with his belt meant he was ready to face action. When we know the truth, we know that none of those lies that come into our head, either because of our sinful nature or a reminder of our sin in the past or the 
the army of Satan whispering at it. None of those are true. They don't stand up to the truth. God says exactly who we are. In Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2, he says, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. God formed and created us. We aren't here by accident. He created us for purpose as a loving God would. The word redeemed means to buy back. And 1 Peter 1, 18 to 19 reminds us, we weren't bought back with something that perishes, something like gold or silver that can change in valuable. We were bought back with the precious blood of Christ. God used the most valuable thing he had, the blood of his son, to buy us back from Satan. People ask, um, you know, how, how can a loving God send people to hell? And the most beautiful thing that I heard is that, listen, we put our, ourselves on the path to hell. Hell is where we were going. We had fallen into sin. We were all on the path to hell. God gave us a rescue plan. He wasn't putting us on that path. We were there. God came and said, please, I I got another way. I'm sending my son. He's going to die for you. He will pay the debt that you never could. And I'll send my Holy Spirit to put that faith in your heart. We need that truth when everything around us is sending us into that spiral of feeling worthless and unequipped and unable to do anything right. No, wrong. We are loved. We are gods. He redeemed us. He bought us back. All of that nonsense about being worthless, it it doesn't stand up to God's word. Okay, next, we need the breastplate of righteousness. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Do me a favor and write that on an index card and put it on your mirror, or put it on the dash of your car, or put it on the wall next to your bed, or put it wherever you need it when you are most likely to be feeling worthless. When sin weighs heavy, we need to remember that our sins are paid for. This is going to guard our heart. It's our breastplate. It is covering our heart. Jesus loved me. He gave himself up for me. I am in right standing with God. Listen, Satan knows it. He can't argue with that. That's why when we arm ourselves with that passage, which specifically says, look, I've been crucified with Christ. Christ lives in me and Christ paid for my sin and Christ loved me and he gave himself up for me. Done deal. I'm not worthless and I'm not wallowing in my sin. I don't have to sit in my shame. Yeah, I did it. And Christ paid for it. Done. Guard your heart. Number three, we need feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. 
We all need to be super quick to live out Ephesians 4.32, which says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Super, super easy to recite and so much harder to live. I can teach this passage and turn around and do just the opposite two hours later. So to be kind means you don't have to say everything that comes to your mind. You can choose your words. You can choose your tone. You can choose not to say anything. You don't have to point out everybody's sin. You do not have to critique. You do not have to point out a better way. Sometimes you can just love. (laughs) To be compassionate is to show concern for others. Notice when they're tired. Notice when they're overwhelmed. Notice when they've worked really hard for something. And like I said, keep your mouth shut. So what? So what if the meat was a little dry? So what if the cake is a little flat? So what? Show concern. Notice when people are not doing well. If they come to you for help, don't avoid them. Don't neglect them. Follow up. And then forgive, forgive completely. That's how Jesus forgave. It says to forgive just as in Christ, God forgave you. You know how he forgave us? He puts our sin as far away from us as the East is from the West. That means he doesn't bring it up. That means it is gone. Like even if you were to look for it, you can find it because somehow, somewhere, if you can find where the East meets the West, that's where our sin is. So it is so far away from us on either side that we couldn't find it even if we tried. That's the way we need to be when we're forgiving. Rush in to rescue. Rush in when someone has fallen and they feel the weight of their sin. Rush in to remind people who they are in Christ. Rush in when they are believing the lies of Satan and they need the truth. And rush in to be quick to forgive. Don't even bring it up. Forget it. It doesn't matter. I know I've done the same thing a million times. Don't even worry about it. You are forgiven. Christ paid for that sin. It's gone. Number four. We're to take up the shield of faith. Walking by faith means believing what God says, not how we feel. I get it. I can easily rely on my emotions, but my emotions are liars. They will have me feeling so horrible about myself and they will keep me in that shame. But that's not the truth. I need to walk and I need to live believing what God says about me in his word. And guess what? God is crazy about me and he's crazy about you. The whole Bible is full of love passages about how much he loves us and how much he gives up for us and how distraught he is when we wander away from him. Go to 1 Peter 2 verse 9. Go there and highlight, circle, write down, you are chosen. You are royal. You're holy. You are God's special possession. You belong to God. And with that, 
if we have that shield of faith of knowing who we are, Satan's arrows, they just fall flat. They can't penetrate our heart. They can't get to that belt of truth. They can't get past that because the truth is that God loves us. So we got to have that that shield of faith to protect us. Then we need the helmet of salvation. The helmet covers your brain, your thought process, what you think about yourselves. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, so that no one can boast. Our salvation is a done deal. We don't have to say, oh man, I'm so bad. There's no way God could forgive this. Man, I'm just worthless. Here I did it again. I said I was never going to do this again. And I fell into it again. Put that helmet of salvation on and remind yourself that it's all by grace. The person, think of the person you know who lives the most righteous, sanctified life. I don't know who that is. It might be a parent. It might be someone at church. might be your pastor. Might, I, I don't know who you're thinking of, but think of someone. They, they got their salvation exactly the same way you did. By grace. Couldn't have earned it. Salvation, faith, it was put in their heart by the Holy Spirit. It was a gift. They can't boast. They can't say, hey, I'm so much better than you. Man, I'm in better standing than than you are. We're all, what was the saying that I heard just recently? We are all beggars looking for a piece of bread or something like that. Like we are all the same in God's eyes in terms of (laughs) we're sinners who are loved and who Jesus paid for and Jesus redeemed. He bought us back. So you need that helmet of salvation. You need to know how you get your salvation so that that can completely and totally cover your brain, cover your thought process, be the philosophy, be the worldview that you cling to. Christ did it all. What I do in my sanctification, in my setting myself apart from the world, in you know, trying to obey God's command, it has nothing to do with earning salvation. I see what God has done for me. I see what Christ gave up for me. And I, out of thankfulness, I say, man, I want to follow him. I want to live a life worthy of the calling that I've been given. I also know that it is because of love that God gave us his commands that he guides us to better paths. And because I love him, because he loved me first, I want to follow him just as a a young child wants to follow his father. Not, Not because I get something more out of it so that I'm better than you. No, I realize the depth of my depravity. On my own, I am fully capable of screwing everything up and I do it over and over and over again. I think I'm going to do better and again I fall. But there's God and I put that helmet of salvation on and I know that Jesus paid for that sin too. Who I am, I am saved and I am redeemed because Jesus did it. Bottom line, done. 
Last, we need the sword of the spirit, and that's the word of God. And that's how we know all of these things. That's where the belt of truth comes from. That's how we get the shield of faith. That's how we get the gospel of peace. All of these comes, all of these things come from being in the word. We can defeat any of Satan's lies with the truth. And the truth is found in the word. In Luke chapter four, we hear about Satan coming to Jesus and tempting him. And what is it that Jesus used to defeat every single one of Satan's temptations? The word of God. And that's how we can do it too. Instead of hunkering down and being on the defensive, which sometimes we're going to be, and that's fine as long as we have the armor of God on. As long as we keep our armor on, the truth is going to defend us and the shield is going to keep us safe and that breastplate is going to protect us. But we don't have to hunker down like that because we can whip that sword out and we can, Satan cannot stand up against the word of God. When Jesus used the word of God, Satan had nothing else to say. He knows it's the truth. So we don't have to hunker down. We can, we can go on offense. When he comes to us, we can go, ho, 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 no way. Satan, that's not true. I'm not falling for that. No way. I know the word of God. This is what God says. And this is who I am. So it doesn't matter what anybody else says about you. And it certainly doesn't matter what you in your darkest moments think. We have to be super, super careful that we do not get duped by Satan with a placebo because he wants us to swallow that pill that says all those horrific things about us. And he wants us to believe that we are unworthy and therefore cannot be saved. And he wants us to believe that salvation is unattainable because we have to do something. And he wants us to believe that God really doesn't care about us. The truth is <laughs> that God loves us like crazy. He continues to show us over and over and over. Not only did he send his son, I mean, that's huge. Not only did he create us, that's huge. He cares for us our whole life long. He will never leave us. Our dying breath will have us going to see him because he wants us to be with him. Psalm 121, 7 and 8 says, The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Does that sound like someone who doesn't like you? That sounds to me like someone who loves you dearly and will watch out for you all the days of your lives. Do not fall for the placebo. Stand on the truth and know who you are. And then it doesn't matter what you think on your darkest days. It doesn't matter what anybody else says about you because you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt who you are. This has been Little Things because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. I want to encourage you to get in touch with me. You can do that now by emailing me at amber at timeofgrace.org. I can't wait to talk to you. Hey. 
Hey guys, I just want to take a minute to thank every single one of you who has taken the time to pray for the important work we're doing or made a donation or took the time to encourage any one of us at Time of Grace. I want you to know we appreciate you and we're thrilled to partner with you to bring the hope of the gospel to the world.